Hello, I'm Don Durham, and welcome to Patent Pod. The understanding and practice of inclusive classrooms and schools has been a foundation within Pennsylvania. Simply stated, inclusive education means that all students are accepted and have a true sense of belonging within the larger school community. We want to focus our conversation today on inclusive practices and what that may look like in a school setting. Joining us on Patent Pod is Mike Bovino, Senior Advisor for Special Olympics Pennsylvania. Mike, thanks so much for joining Patent Pod today. We're really excited to have you here. Don, thank you so much for the invitation. We're really, I'm really excited to talk about inclusion. It's a passion for uh, all of us in Special Olympics, and uh, we really do appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you. Well, thanks so much. And, you know, I want to think about, when we think about inclusive practices, you know, we have to think about the benefits. Who benefits, ultimately, from these inclusive practices within a school setting? Well, quite honestly, I think everybody in the school setting benefits. So obviously people think immediately that special education students are the beneficiaries, which of course they are, uh, because you're, what you're really trying to do in an inclusive setting is to, to make sure that students have labels removed, that they're fully included in their school community as equal peers, uh, that they're looked upon for who they are and not what label they have, that they are embraced for their unique personalities, their attributes, all of that. So obviously the, the benefits most people think about is, oh, the special education students. But in point of fact, what inclusion benefits is the whole school community. For the general education students in the population, it allows them to have an opportunity to broaden their horizons and scopes on how they look at people. And it kind of reformulates sort of some of the ideas that they may have had, you know, oftentimes subconsciously in their minds about what a special education student's capabilities are. I mean, a lot of this, Dawn, is, you know, uh, there's so many influences in the world, whether it be social media or traditional media or movies or film. Um, and, and while things have gotten better, you know, people with disabilities still are portrayed in a manner that, you know, sometimes perhaps they're shown to have not the same level of ability or competencies, for example, as others. Um, and that, again, people watch that and it, it forms a mindset or something, again, oftentimes unintentional. Uh, but if you're in an inclusive school setting, those change. It challenges those preconceptions. So those general education students now have an opportunity to reevaluate some things that may have been in their minds that were kind of, again, inaccurate perceptions. And so inclusion benefits them as well because it makes them look at not only people with disabilities differently, but really what it teaches is sort of the value of diversity and how to look at things differently in their communities. And, you know, uh, as, as everything kind of goes around, um, education is so important and knowledge is really critical. So these inclusive um, experiences uh, benefit the whole school community. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because the obvious benefit goes to the students who receive special education services. But as you had said, we really are able to offer kind of this reformulation of perception around disabilities and and those um, who students who are a part of our classroom and belonging within our school community and really changes that and can really help other children, other students. And I'm thinking other community members grow as well. And to really understand that value of diversity that we embrace each individual for their uniqueness um, and their, their characteristics that we want to accept and, and have that belonging in our school community. So I think it's important that we continue as we, as we 
continue on to our conversation, that we keep that in our mind, that inclusive practices really benefits all of our students and our entire larger community. And when we think of that, Mike, you know, we do want to ground what we do in evidence and research. That's what we want to really focus on. And when we think about those long-term effects of inclusion and inclusive practices, can you speak to the research around what are those long-term benefits and what are those long-term effects for students and the community members? Absolutely. So with Special Olympics, we do a fully inclusive program called Unified Sports, uh, where students with and without intellectual disabilities practice and compete together as equal peers. And that's what's key, equal peers. Mm -hmm on the same sports teams. So it's not a mentoring program. It's you're on a team together as an equal peer, and that means you help each other. So some of the formulation uh, is really what we're trying to do is take altruism, which is what we love, but change it to be a little bit differently. We want general education students to do not things for special education students. We want them to do things with special education students. And through that teamwork, they're doing something for the benefit of the overall school community. When you see teammates together as equal peers, it changes perceptions, it changes attitudes. So it's again, using altruism in a manner where it's redirected, right? So it's, we're teammates together. I see you as my fellow teammate and friend, and we do this together. And others see that, and it has a benefit on the entire school community. So going to the research, Don, because we do that in Unified Sports, we've done research studies all over the world. So Unified Sports has been around since 1989. Uh, it is done in 200 countries throughout the world with a couple of million people who participate. So it is a true game changer in what we do. So we've done research studies in Europe, in the Middle East, in the United States, in uh, Asia, and all the studies come back to show very, very similar outcomes. Uh, most importantly, it shows that social inclusion is facilitated through unified sports, that the relationships built between the members of a unified sports team are sustainable. And that's really critical for social inclusion. So it's not teammates play for a season and then they disappear and they come back again, you know, the following year. That's not what happens with unified sports, 100% not. What does happen, and the research shows it, is that those relationships continue. So if uh, uh, players are on a soccer team in the fall, they still remain friends in the winter months. They get together to watch NCAA basketball games. They go to each other's homes. Uh, they go to dinner together. Uh, they hang out together. They go to dances together. It's sustainable. Uh, and so that's really what, uh, what Unified Sports is most effective at. The other research we've done in the United States for the schools is that schools that do Unified Sports uh, as part of our Unified Champion Schools program also have seen there's a reduction in bullying. So 93% of school administrators that are surveyed that do Unified Champion Schools, and there were more than 7,000 of them, so it's a big study, uh, 7,000 schools, 93% uh, of them said there was a measurable decrease in bullying, particularly students with disabilities. So that's remarkable. 97% of seniors who participate in UCS said that the Unified Champion Schools programming and Unified Sports made their school community a more welcoming and nurturing place to learn. So that's some of the data that we're excited about, you know, sharing and, and seeing the impact of inclusion when it's done meaningfully within a school community. 
Yeah, you know, I got goosebumps. They're really getting excited about what the students are saying they can recognize and they can see in their everyday interactions at school. You had talked about, really, this is about doing things with students who receive special education services versus doing things for students who receive special education services. And that's a big difference and maybe a mind shift that we need to be thinking about and really creating these equal peers. You spoke to two really important pieces there. One, the reducing of bullying, which again, gives me goosebumps really to get excited about the students recognizing there's that reduction in bullying and that more inclusive environment. But you also talked about this is really that, that social interaction, social inclusion is about building sustainable relationships relationships, long-term relationships that last and will continue to have those long-term benefits. And the research you're, you're sharing, you know, has really allowed us to have the kind of opened eyes to realizing the need and the importance and who all um, this can really benefit, which is everyone. So I appreciate you just kind of letting us touch down on that research piece there because that's really important for us to always ground what we're doing in our practices in research. So I want to kind of continue on this train of thought. When we think about students who do have complex needs, are, you know, can you offer any strategies or methods that can be used to assist these students in a more inclusive environment? Sure. So those are uh, obviously the challenges that present themselves when you have students who have more significant you know, needs. And so part of that is an education process with the general ed students in terms of helping them understand Communication. I really think with those particular students, probably the greatest challenge is their communication skills. Mm. And it's really teaching our uh, general education students, again, you're equal peers, but again, somebody who has more significant challenges means that you may have to communicate a little bit differently. So it's really teaching and being more mindful of, you know, uh, though this student's going to communicate much more so with kind of physical cues as opposed to speaking. So you can have to watch carefully to see what type of physical cues or how they express themselves. Um, it may be they are speaking, but some of their language patterns are challenging to understand. Uh, part of it is, again, that's where the special education teacher plays an extremely valuable role because he or she knows how the student best communicates and you want them to impart that knowledge on the general education students. So supports are necessary. You know, obviously, when we say full inclusion, it doesn't mean, you know, everybody jump in the pool and let's hope you swim. Let's be clear about this. Full inclusion, when we say immersive inclusion, it doesn't mean, all right, everybody go jump in the pool in the deep end. Let's make sure that everybody knows how to swim first. And let's make sure that everybody understands kind of the basic first aid around swimming, right? If, if God forbid something happens. So, yeah, you want to make sure that that's in place. And that's where the special education teachers are really valuable. So especially for students who have, again, multidisciplinary, you know, uh, uh, disabilities or have significant challenges, uh, we look to them to really being, all right, let me, as a teacher, share with you as a general ed student, you know, the ways this student best responds. What are their, uh, what stimulations do they best respond to? You know, what inspires them? What gets them motivated? What are things that they don't like, you know? Uh, this particular student really is adverse to loud noises. And sometimes a loud noise may just be my voice right now might be too loud. Yeah. So, the you know, the greater, the more information that can be shared about those individual students, the better. I, I would say really for students who have more significant needs, you need more education. As you have less needs, you don't need as many. And so you really want students to kind of on their own really develop a relationship with the student, you know, on their own without necessarily having a special education student, a teacher, I'm saying, I meant to say, 
dictating, well, this student does this or that. You want that to be some self-discovery. So again, I'm talking about students who have less significant needs. Um, you want the students to really kind of do more of the discovery. So um, yeah, I think that's really what's critical here is if you're kind of looking at a spectrum, the more, the greater the need, the more the need for the special education teachers to educate, the less the needs, the more we want the general education students to do a lot more self-discovery and to get to know the students best as you would with any other relationship, Dawn. Like uh -huh. if you and I are, you know, becoming friends, nobody's telling, you know, nobody's telling me, well, Dawn communicates this way or Dawn reacts this particular way. I'm getting to know you as a, as a friend uh -huh. through our interpersonal communication. So we want more of that. And that's what we really would like to see the most of happening. But we recognize, again, going back to that, swimming example, don't be jumping in the pool without knowing how to swim. And some of those students who have more significant needs, that's where the training comes in. That's where you really do need those, the general ed students to have more background and information. You know, I think that's such a great thing to keep in mind. When we think about more complex needs, there may need to be a little bit more guidance by some of the adults in the environment to help peers communicate effectively and build those sustainable relationships. When we talk about less need, we do want to have the peers kind of engaging and, and learning about each other, just as you had said we would in a classroom setting when we have other peers around, or as you had indicated, you and I, as we build our professional friendship, we've learned things about each other and, and how to communicate and how we work together and whatnot. It's the same thing for our students. So again, I'm gonna go back to that building sustainable relationships. That's what this is really about building those relationships that will continue to maintain and benefit the students as well as those around those students. So I think that's a great piece to think in mind of, you know, greater need may need a little bit more guidance from the adults, lesser need. We do want to see that self-exploration and peer. I go, I'll guess I'll go with peer exploration there. Um, you know, and you alluded to this, Mike, but I just, I just want to kind of uh, uh, work a little bit more through this, this content here. Okay. You had talked about special education teachers communicating with students who are with their uh, peers who have disabilities and needs. Well, talk to us a little bit about the collaboration between general education teachers and providers and special education providers. Where's that collaboration? How is that working? How does that have to work to make sure that we truly do have inclusive schools and inclusive classrooms? That's a great question, because that's absolutely right, because the teachers do have to work together very closely to really meet the needs of the students. So the general education teachers, really, it's a team effort. They need to be working with the special education teachers to gain the best understanding they can about the students that are in their classroom. Uh, and again, a lot of that is really, from an educator standpoint, I do feel like you, it's a little bit different. There, I feel like you really want that special education teacher to impart a lot of knowledge to the general ed teacher, because they really do need to know what are the cues? How does the student best respond? How do they learn best in an environment you know, where they're surrounded by other students who learn differently? Um, they need to have that strong background and knowledge, you know, about that. So when they're in the um, in a classroom setting, all the students feel like they're in a very supported learning environment. Um, and so the more information and knowledge that can be gained by a general ed teacher, the better. So they have to work very collaboratively together. Um, kind of, you know, each teacher, you know, looking to see how do we maximize, you know, the instructional time that we have, in, you know, in a classroom. Uh, the general education student I and mean, teacher also, though, has to create an environment where those students feel comfortable, for example, asking questions uh, without feeling stigmatized, yeah. uh, feeling like they can ask for help without feeling like 
um, there, there's something not right about asking for help. Mm -hmm. So it is a delicate balance, right? You want to be able to create that. And oftentimes um, what I feel like the, the really um, special general education teachers do is they go above and beyond like any great teacher does, right? So oftentimes what I've found is those are the teachers that after class go to certain students and say, uh, if you know, um, are there some things that you wanted to ask? Are there some things that you want to do? Uh, I'm available, you know, today during lunch, if you want to come by, we can talk more about this and, and basically making themselves available. And But the best ones do it during class. Again, going back to equal peers, Dorn, they say it to everybody, they say, so we covered a lot of material today uh, and, you know, we didn't get to everybody's questions, maybe, or maybe you're thinking about questions that you didn't have a chance to ask. You know, please come and see me. I have lunch period at 1130 a.m. If you want to come by and see me, you know, I'd love for you to do so. So you're telling everybody again, you're not just telling the special education students mm -hmm. that message, uh, but you really are addressing some of their needs, right, that are particular. But then you want the special education teacher can have that one on one conversation with the special education student and say, uh, oh, did you know, did Ms. Rodriguez today, I understand that she said that you could come to her if you had any questions. I really want you to do that. I think I encourage you to do that because I want to make sure that you're getting your questions answered. And once you build that rapport, that student's going to feel very, very comfortable about stopping into Ms. Rodriguez's you know, room or after school or during lunch period, whatever, you know, again, it's the time that works best. You know, so what I hear you talking about in this collaboration between general education providers, special education providers is really all about creating a supportive learning environment, whether yeah. it be, you know, through the academic, through the social emotional, through the behavioral piece. It's really about creating an environment in which all students not only have a sense of belonging, but can take risks can you know sit there and say i'm not so sure i understand it's okay for me to ask a question or it's okay for me to go to someone for help or it's okay for me to be really good at this one particular piece that i've just done here and just be able to celebrate that so it really comes down to that partnership between general education and special education providers in creating that environment for our students that's what i'm hearing you say yes yeah absolutely supportive educational environments absolutely it's a collaborative effort across the board it really is, and that collaboration is key. You know, Mike, I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation. Inclusive practices is very important to us here in Pennsylvania, and I would imagine all around the country it's an important piece that we want to really make sure that we're understanding and we're really fully engaged and committed to. And again, I'm going to go back to we want to make sure we have equal peers, we want to build sustainable relationships, and we want to build that supportive learning environment. And so, Mike, I'm so glad that you joined Patent Pod today. Thank you so much for being with us for this conversation. Well, Dawn, thank you. And I will just end by saying we're so thrilled to be this year partnering with 376 schools in more than 50 counties in the state of Pennsylvania, all who will be doing Unified Champion Schools programming. Uh, so we're very excited to be working with all of our school partners and seeing the benefits of inclusion that you and I talked about today. So thank you so much for having me as part of the Patent Podcast. Well, thank you so much. And that is very exciting news. That's wonderful to hear. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you, you to all of you in the field. You are truly an inspiration to us all. A special thank you to John Ragsdale for producing this podcast. We'll see you next time on Patent Pod.